takes the shot. That's a great question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that. Like, what is the It Factory? The It Factory is back for season two. Last season, we explored what the It Factory is, who has it, and how they got it. This season, we still seek to answer the same questions, but with a new cast of characters. We take the helmet off some of the new faces in the Conference of Champions, and some familiar faces as well. Players, coaches, and experts will explore what it is that sets them up for success on Saturdays. I'm Yogi Roth, and welcome back to the It Factory. All right, welcome back, or welcome to the It Factory, presented by Zayo. I'm your host, Yogi Roth, and today we punch up to the great Pacific Northwest to talk to one of the top quarterbacks in America. You've seen him compete on the field. You've seen him thrive on the field. A lot of balls downfield, but what you may not know is what makes Michael Panix Jr. who he is as a captain, as a leader, as someone who's overcome so much adversity. With that, Michael, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Excited to talk to you. Um, have known about you for a long time. I remember you back in high school, but I want to tap into like your early years. Like, when did you first fall in love with the game, or was it just like something that you just did because of your father and his love for the game of football? Yeah, no, um, I fell in love with it at a real young age, you know, um, I talk about me taking my first steps on the football field, you know, uh, like you said, my father was a coach and he was a player as well, you know, so it, it was always around me, you know, but it wasn't um, just because of that, that I fell in love with the game, you know, just um, seeing the togetherness, you know, just seeing the unity and the way people work and, you know, just going out there and just having fun on the field and making big plays, you know, in front of uh, amazing crowds, you know, just I, I knew at a young age, you know, this was something I wanted to do and, you know, something that I stuck with and I'm glad I did. I could remember uh, I was up at UW a couple weeks ago calling your game and my kids came with me. And one of my dreams is like to watch my kids run around a football field and they're doing that. Both boys are tackling each other on the field after the game, the band's playing. I'm curious for you as the son of a coach, when you were seven, eight years old, when you were a kid, do you vividly remember running around the practice field? Yeah, um, yeah, I was always running around the practice field. And then, you know, when, when game time came up, it was crazy because uh, as kids, you know, on Fridays, on Friday nights for high school games when my, where my dad was coaching, it was like, for us, it was our game too. You know, it was like a little, um, we either played football underneath the stand, so we had like a little grass spot to the side. You know, we were playing football ourselves. It wasn't, we watched some of the high school game, but anytime it was a break, a timeout, man, we, we, we went to go play football, you know, so it was always football for me. And, you know, um, I was always a fan of it. Yeah. You know what? I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. You grew up in Florida, like same deal. High school game would be going on. We'd be on like the field hockey or the soccer field, like playing at halftime or in between the game. And I always remember looking over to the field to being like, man, one day I want to, I'm going to go play. I'm going to go wear that uniform. Did, did you have that too? And, and when did you know, you could thrive when you got to that age in that field. Yeah, for sure. You know, at, at that young age, you know, you're looking at these high, the high school guys and it's like, dang, they, they're big. They're so good. Like these, these are people that I really looked up to, you know, the people that, you know, in my city, like I always see around and I, and I still have so much respect for them because 
you know, they, they really uh, showed me, they really helped uh, bring me along, you know, as my dad being a coach, you know, I was always around it and practicing and stuff, and, you know, they used to always encourage me to be great in what I wanted to do, and uh, football was that, you know, so um, looking, looking up at them, you know, at a young age, it was like I, I knew I wanted, to, I wanted to do that and I wanted to be in that position, and, you know, sometimes it, it felt unreal that, you know, I, I, I was in those positions, you know, because at that age, it's like, it felt so far away, but it, it came so quick, and you know, it, it's just a true blessing. You know, just having people around me that that um, that were able to lift me up and show me show me what it's like to to be a football player and, and to be living uh, in this lifestyle. So, speaking of that lifestyle, quarterback lifestyle is different than any other position. All right. Were you always dead set on that? Because I've read some things where it seemed like others were like, "Well, you could play wide out as well." Nah, so um, growing up, well, my dad, he was a running back, you know. Um, I started off as running back. I'm not sure if that was the reason why. I don't really remember. I just knew I, I played running back uh, at my first couple years. And, you know, um, I got to, I think it was, I was around 9 or 10 years old. You know, I was still in youth football, and we needed a quarterback. We didn't have a guy that could throw the ball down the field. And at that time, for some reason, I had a good arm. So um, I took that role, and, you know, I was still doing my thing, running the ball as well. But... Um, as I realized, okay, I, I'm the quarterback and um, I can throw the ball, you know, that's when I started like really locking into it and really like feeling like, okay, um, this is going to be my position. And that's when I started taking it to the next level, started getting training and um, really, really getting better as a quarterback. You feel like there's a bias towards lefties? Nah, I, not, not me personally. I don't feel like that. Good. I, I'll tell you what, I, my personal take on lefty quarterbacks is I think it just looks pretty. <laughs> like I just think it maybe it's because you don't see it that often but I remember I went to my first Rose Bowl and I know you're trying to lead a team to a Rose Bowl mm -hmm. my first Rose Bowl was Michigan SC 2003 and Leinart was Matt that was playing and not only did he throw a touchdown pass but he caught a touchdown pass from from Mike Williams who happened to be another lefty and I just remember sitting in the stands being like that is beautiful it just I just felt like it came out differently <laughs> than it did from everybody else man yeah that, yeah I definitely get that, you know. Um, even whenever I watch my like myself, when I watch um, other left-handed quarterbacks, I'm like, oh yeah, it definitely looks different. And, uh, I definitely notice it, and I feel like we special for sure. Yeah. All right. So your your path is pretty special. Uh, committed to Tennessee, you go to Indiana. You're getting recruited by everybody late. What's it like when you go back into that time around recruiting and like how are you able to find your way? to make decisions because four years later you made another decision which led you to Seattle. Yeah, um, I, I just always followed my heart, you know, and, and just uh, trusted in God, you know. Um, I just felt like I, I made the moves that were necessary and moves that I felt like would best be best for my future, you know. And at that time, um, coming out of high school, like you said, I, I was committed to Tennessee for a while, you know. New coaching staff came in, you know, uh, close to signing day and um, you know, they, they wanted somebody else, but, uh, you know, I, I still stayed the course, you know, I stayed locked in and uh, just continue to control what I could control. And, you know, um, Coach Nick Sheridan, he was actually at Tennessee um, when I committed there um, early on, you know, so he, he ended up being at Indiana University and he always stayed in contact with me, you know, uh, he was just a guy that, that truly uh, showed he cared about, cared about me and, you know, he really believed in me as a, a person and a player. So. Um, he, he definitely was one of the big reasons why I, I went out to Indiana and uh, I definitely saw like 
it, it was just so close, you know, uh, as far as the team, you know, it, it was a team that definitely had a lot of athletes and um, good players, you know, it's just, I knew that this, the team there was going to be, um, was going to have the opportunity to do something great, you know, I wanted to be a part of it, you know, I feel like that was the same thing I saw whenever I, I left there and I was coming here, you know, I wanted to be a part of something great, you know, I, I saw the talent that this team had, you know, when I came here on my visit, I was watching cut-ups of all the guys and I already knew the offense, so, you know, I already knew what, what the offense would bring, Coach Grubb and Coach DeBoer, so I really, I really wasn't worried about that part. I knew we will be able to uh, be a real explosive offense, you know, but just seeing the guys that I have around me and now that I'm here and just living in it, you know, it, it's been amazing, you know, and I'm glad that I chose here. Yeah, so are we, man. So are a lot of Husky fans as well. Yeah, Nick is a, is a rising star in the profession. I want to flash back for a moment. Uh, first time you met Kalen. DeBoer, what was that like and how would you now describe the relationship you two have? Yeah, so when I first met him, he came in, um, I believe it was in the spring, you know, he came in as a, as a, uh, as a OC and I was, I was still coming off an injury at that time. That was right after I tore my ACL and I was still coming off an injury. So I wasn't able to get a lot of, uh, I wasn't able to do the spring, spring ball. So I wasn't able to get a lot of reps and, you know, but I, I still tried to get to know him and, you know, I felt like he was just a guy, when he came in, he was just a guy all about business. You know, he definitely, um, he definitely changed things around and he definitely showed us that, uh, he showed us how, how explosive we could be, you know, as an offense, you know. And I felt like whenever I was playing underneath him, you know, it was, it was real good. I felt comfortable and I felt like all my decisions that I made, you know, they were, they were clean and I always felt like anytime I snapped the ball, I, I had an opportunity to do something great with it. So. You know, and now, you know, as, as him being a head coach, you know, is he has to be on both sides of the ball, you know, um, always cheering up uh, both sides of the ball. So I really don't see him too much other than like up here in the offices and sometimes like out on the field, I see him when he's on the offices side. But, you know, he, he's a great guy. You know, he's a guy that this team truly believes in and uh, definitely are proud that we have him here. Adversity. I think it's a word that you've gotten to know pretty well. How do you define adversity? And what's your approach to whenever it shows up? Yeah, um, adversity is just things that, that like, it's just like little speed bumps, you know, things that come, come along the road that, that maybe you weren't expecting, you know, um, that, that could cause you to have a, a, slight, a slight hesitation in, in your path, you know, to success. So, you know, I, I look at it like that, you know, it's just a, a slight little, a minor setback for a major comeback, you know, that's what, that's what everybody say, you know, but it's truly that, you know, that's how, that's how I took it. And, you know, I, I had a lot of adversity, you know, four years, four season in the injuries, you know, it was real tough, you know, but, you know, just having the, um, the help from teammates, family, you know, friends around me, you know, always encouraging me and uh, keeping me uplifted and always um, reminding me why, why I chose to play the sport, you know, just, you know, knowing I have two younger brothers at home looking up to me, you know, each and every day, you know, watching my every move. You know, I definitely didn't want to let them down and uh, my family as well, as much as they poured into me and um, my dream as a football player, you know, I, I couldn't let any of that go, go to waste. So even when I had some questioning um, about the adversity I was going through, you know, I, I always fell back on that and just understanding that it, it, it'll, all, it'll all be okay. You know, I just got to continue to keep my head down, keep working and keep pushing forward and uh, don't really worry about that because it's going to come, you know, it's, it's football, it's football, it's all sports, you know, it's, it's going to be adversity, you know, it's just how you overcome them. And, you know, I feel like I've definitely been attacking it, 
you know, the proper way that I should. And um, I just continue to try to stay going in the right direction. I think one of the most powerful things I've seen in sport over the last decade is probably when Kobe was recovering, recovering from his Achilles injury. And he would show a lot. I think athletes a lot of times who were injured lean on some of that inspiration at times from him. For you, when it was low, if it, if it was, if you had those low moments, you're like, damn, I got to get up again at 5.30 in treatment or whatever it may be. Like, did you lean on something or did you never have those moments in your recovery and you're always looking forward to getting back? Yeah, no, I definitely had those moments. And like, like I said, I, I just leaned on my family and my friends, you know, um, I have my little brothers always calling me or texting me, asking me how I'm doing, you know, my parents all the time. And, you know, I, I had a guy at, at Indiana University, I had a guy that, that was in my same boat, you know, uh, his name was Jay Sean Harris, you know, he had uh, three, three knee injuries as well, you know, ACL injuries, you know, so, and he always was able, able to, you know, help me out through that process, you know, because he, he's been through it and, you know, he was a great player as well, you know, so, just having people like that, you know, always uh, being there, motivating me and encouraging me that it'll get better. You know, it's, it's not, pain is just temporary. You know, it just continue to keep pushing through it and, you know, good things will happen at the end. Yeah, I think it's amazing because I think it's easy and, and look, we, we do it on TV all the time. It's like, yeah, these injuries, X, Y, and Z, this is how he's battled back and here he is. But there's like so much that goes into every one of those. And then to meet that moment again and overcome it and overcome it, like, like there's this word that is kind of become vernacular in sports, a huge part of Washington athletics is grit, which is kind of defined as passion, perseverance. Like what, what is like your grit scale at? And do you lean into that word? And have you even talked about that word where you're at now? Yeah, um, I, that, def, that word definitely uh, pushed me a lot through my career. You know, um, at, at my old school, um, our head coach there, Tom Allen, you know, he was a guy that always preached grit, you know, pa uh, passion and perseverance towards a long-term goal. You know, that was, the, that was the way he explained it, you know. And for me, in, in my situations, you know, I knew I, I definitely had to have that, you know, because without that, you know, there's been times that I definitely could have gave up. I, I could have quit. You know, I could have just said, uh, I'm done. I don't want to get injured anymore. But, you know, just having that, and I feel like I, I definitely have that at, at a high scale, you know, because I understand that, you know, th these things happen, you know, in sports, you know, so it's, it's like I said, it's not how, how it happened, it's, it's how you uh, react, uh, recover from it, how you bounce back from it, you know, and I always try to make sure I bounce back on the right end. The, the jersey that you wear now, this football program is, has their share of adversity over the last year and a half or so. Then you come in. From the outside looking in, it looked as though you provided like, of course, along with Kalen DeBoer and the staff and, and, and the roster, but like you specifically offensively provided like not only hope, but like confidence, a belief of like, Yo, we know we can throw the ball. We know we can move the ball. D do you sense that? And if so, what is that like? Yeah, um, I just feel like, you know, last year, you know, I, w I wasn't here, obviously, you know, just hearing from the guys, you know, it just seemed like it wasn't a lot of uh, togetherness and, um, you know, just people always, you know, just being there for each other, you know, and that's the thing that Coach Coach DeBoer came in and he preached right away, you know, we're, we're going to love each other, we're going to lean on each other in hard times, and we're, we're going to always uh, celebrate each other, you know, and that's something that, you know, we really pushed for, push, uh, forward to do um, when Coach DeBoer got here and through winter, winter trainings, you know, with Coach uh, Mack 
our strength coach, you know, he, he definitely uh, pushed us to limits that this team, like I've, I wasn't here obviously before, but I've heard like, hey man, it, it has never been like this. You know, he pushed us to, to limits where we never uh, re even reached before, you know, and it just showed this team that, you know, we have so much fight in us, you know, and it's, we got way more in our tank. You know, I feel like, you know, whenever the team felt that, you know, just felt that confidence and, you know, it's like, oh, we just got through that. And then the next week comes by, we're doing more and, oh, it's getting better, it's getting easier as we're going by, you know, as it's getting easier, Coach Mack is trying to make it harder, you know, just trying to make us, you know, just uh, respond to that adversity, respond to those hard times. You know, I just felt like it definitely brought confidence in this team and, you know, it, it definitely transferred over into the football field. So I have a theory. Tell me if it's accurate or not. But, but I felt as though the Michigan State game, you know, week three at home, sellout city, place was going crazy. I felt as though if you can get to halftime, and you guys can create the explosive plays that you eventually created in the first half, the locker room would look to you and look to each other and be like, yep, everything the coach DeBoer, everything the strength staff has said, like, it's happened. And like, I, I felt from the outside in, like, that was a big transitional moment for the program. You were in the locker room, I wasn't. Is that, is that true? No, that's definitely how it was. You know, um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was probably one of the speeches somebody gave in halftime, like, Hey man, this, that was one of the things we, we always said, you know, hey, it's time to let out all, everything that we learned, you know, everything that we went through, you know, it's time to make it, uh, go get paid. You know, we say we, we're gonna go get paid, you know, get paid for all the work that we put in, you know, we put in a lot of hard work and, um, you know, it's, it's always brought up like, just remember how, how it felt in winter workouts, remember how it felt in summer workouts, you know, um, you know, just knowing that it's all worth it, you know, just knowing that, Everything that we did, you know, it, it's coming to light and it's just showing, you know, just how much, how much, um, how much better, how much stronger and how much faster we feel as a team. You know, it just definitely built a lot of confidence in us. And that was definitely one of the things coming out of halftime. I can't remember who it was uh, speaking. It might have been Alex Cook, you know, just saying, man, it's all coming to light. We just got to continue to stay the course and just continue to keep pushing, pushing forward and uh, leaning on each other. And that's that's what we did to come out with that win. So I'm fascinated by the word leadership. And I think a quarterback, oftentimes we just assume that guy's gonna be a great leader. And I think there are some special people, you might be one of them, that just has innate leadership qualities. But fundamentally, like you have to be taught them and then cultivate them. Where do you fall into that category? Like what, what are your leadership traits? Do you think it's something that you had to learn or were you one of those you know, unique ones where it just really became natural for you? Yeah, um, for me, I felt like it was something that I had to learn, you know, because at a young age, it, it came natural at a young age because in high school, it was like, okay, you have, you have a player that's real good on the team. That's, that's somebody that everybody else on the team is automatically gonna look up to, you know? If you're one of the best players on your team, in high school and middle school is like okay everybody's going to gravitate towards that and, you know and when when things go on people are going to follow what you do because that's what they see as being successful you know but you know coming to college you know it's you got the best high school players on one team you know so it's like okay now now how do i you know put myself into this leadership role you know as a freshman coming in i'm like i'm looking at guys fifth year senior six year seniors guys that are like 20, 22, 23 years old, and I'm coming in at 17 years old, and I'm like, how do I lead these guys? You know, it was something that I learned 
um, going into college, you know, Coach Sheridan definitely helped me with. He just taught me that you got to understand your players first. You know, you got to get to know your players. You know, that's that's how I came here. You know, I was like, okay, that's the first thing I wanted to do, get to know my players, you know, get to know my old line, you know, understand them and, you know, understand how, how they move, you know, because I feel like to be a great leader, you got to know, you got to know the guys around you because you got to know how to lead, you know, because not everybody take leadership the, the same way. You know, you might have a guy that whenever you feel like you're leading and you're calling them out on something, maybe they're more sensitive than another guy, you know, so you got to truly understand your teammates and understand how to lead them, you know, maybe it's a guy that you got to pull to the side and uh, discuss something with instead of maybe out loud in public to the group, you know, I, and I, I was able to learn that at a young, um, as a young um, college athlete, you know, in my undergrad years, you know, just I knew I had to understand my teammates so that I can be able to be a great leader for, for them, you know, just whenever you get that understanding of those guys and, you know, you're building those relationships with those guys, you know, they, they tend to trust you. That's when they start trusting you more. And whenever you say something, now it's not looked at as being personal. It's looked at as, okay, like, he truly believes in me. He truly loves me and wants me to be great. And, you know, and that's something that I feel like I learned when I got to college. Earlier this season on the show, we had Caleb Williams on from SC. He said the same thing. He said day one, he was like, I got to get it to know everybody's name before I even get master on the playbook. Because like you, he had already known most of the playbook at his previous stop. I, I love that definition of leadership. Um, I, I think what people are trying to still figure out is like, how are you making it look so easy with shots down the field? I mean, you guys are just like a highlight reel in normal downs and distances. I'm curious, what's it like to be part of that? And how have you and the receivers, it sounds like you guys met like the first day you got there, they texted you before you put your bags down. Hey, when can we throw? To now like you are dropping dimes in huge games and big moments. Yeah, um, it's amazing. You know, it, it's just all it, it's all about the, the preparation and, you know, just the timing, the consistency, you know, like like you say, you know, those a group of guys that, you know, texted me first day I got here, you know, they, they wanted to throw because they knew that, you know, they just wanted to get the connection down, you know, just wanted to, you know, f feel a, a throw from me, you know, so it was like just having that trust in each other, that trust in the uh, play calling and, you know, just going out there executing not not just on Saturdays or Fridays, because we had a couple Friday night games, but, you know, on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, you know, practice days, you know, just repetitions, you know, it was just a, a matter of, okay, we didn't we didn't complete this throw in practice. After practice, we're definitely going to go get it. We're going to make sure that we complete it because we know that this might be the play that can be the difference in the game come Saturday. So, you know, that that's how it was for us, you know. I have a, a great group of receivers, you know, that, that really – thrive on being being great and you know they put in all the work and they give me great looks all the time in in practice you know I, I never have to worry about those guys going half speed on a rep you know I know those guys are gonna go all out I'm talking about we got guys that's in practice we're diving for the ball you know they're they're trying to catch every ball that come their way you know I feel like that's something that also coach Shepard uh brought came in and brought to this program you know he he preaches that those guys they're not receivers they're takers you know they they want to go take the ball out of the air you know just having Coach Shep come in as well, you know, just bringing that great energy, you know, that great juice to that receiver room, it's been great. And just the, those guys are real dialed in, you know, they're young guys, but, you know, they, they really treat uh, treat themselves and practice like pros, you know, so, you know, they definitely do a great job. I love that, takers versus receivers. I'm using <laughs> that one as a former wideout. I wish we were taught that back in the day. Uh, with that said, your offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, 
is as creative as you're going to find in college football. What's a meeting? What's an install meeting like with him? Oh, it's long. <laughs> it's great though. <laughs> it's long, but he just he definitely makes sure that we we don't leave there with no questions. You know, um, that's the main thing uh, with Coach Grubb. You know, he he makes sure that whenever I take a snap, you know, I know exactly what's going on, why he called the play, why why would I make a check or why he made a check. You know, um, so that's what that's what it's all about. You know, just making sure we don't leave the meeting without uh, with any questions. You know, making sure that we leave it all in the meeting. And by the time we touch the field, you know, we're definitely 100% confident in our play and, and, and the play calling, you know. And that's why, that's why I use the word trust a lot. You know, this, this team offense um, in general, you know, we, we definitely trust Coach Grubb. You know, we, we have so much trust in him and his play calling. You know, we, you never have guys questioning what's going on or, or why a player is being called. You know, it's even the receivers, they understand, okay, coach just switched the play from this to that. Oh, I know why. Maybe it's pressure coming this way or a rotation coming this way. So, you know, just having that chemistry, that trust, and, you know, um, just always being prepared, prepared. You know, he's a guy that, you know, definitely keys in on the details. And he's a guy that's going to make us do it over if, if he don't like it. You know, it, it don't matter. It don't matter what, what's going on. It's like, no, let's get it. Let's get it right. This might be the difference. And um, that, that's how he coaches. And, and he's that same guy every day. Okay, speaking of getting right, the city Seattle, right? I know the Mariners are no longer playing, but what a run. The Seahawks, I'm sure you felt that vibe in that city. You guys are rolling. Like, you grew up in a city, then your first stop was not necessarily in a city, and now you're in one of the you know, most magical cities in the, in the world, let alone the United States. What is it like for you to walk around Seattle now and be among the buzz around all the sports teams? Yeah, um, it's great. You know, um, in Seattle, it, it's been amazing. You know, it's a lot of wonderful people here. You know, once I first got here, I, I knew, like, this is a great place that, you know, I, I could see myself, well, obviously, uh, being here, you know, and just uh, being out in the public. You know, I, I'm usually not a guy that, that usually gets out a lot, you know, but, you know, when I'm here, I, I, feel, I feel safe and I feel like, you know, it's definitely a beautiful city and it's a lot of things to go see and and do around here and you know I feel like the people gravitate to that and you know as far as um, fans as well you know the fans here you know are, are unmatched you know they, they they come out and support us each and every Saturday and it's amazing you know um, how loud they get you know how rowdy they get and how much they support and cheer us on each and every game you know it, it's been amazing and you know I've been loving it so far. I've talked to a lot of alums that often reference the tunnel at UW when you come out and you have a chance and then you see the purple smoke and what is it like going through that experience before you go meet that crowd you just described? Yeah, so for me, I'm a captain. So I really, I don't get to run out of the tunnel. You know, I, I go out before everybody else, you know, but just seeing the guys, you know, just seeing, seeing uh, all the guys just running out with the purple smoke and the crowd screaming, it's amazing. You know, it's always something I'm like, dang, I wish I could do that. but. <laughs> Uh, as a captain, you know, we got to go out as captains and, you know, um, but it, it's a great, you know, I, I could tell the guys truly love it. And, you know, we definitely embrace that feeling that we get from the crowd. And, you know, I definitely feel like it, it gives us momentum going into the, into the game. Speaking of captains, four of the six captains on your team are transfers. transfers. Yeah. What's, what's the culture like among the guys that arrived like yourself? And why do you think the four of you among the six were voted as team captains? Yeah, um, the culture is amazing. You know, it, it's just a lot of guys that, that truly 
truly uh, bleed purple. You know, a lot of guys that truly love this team, love this university, you know, so it definitely just came from just a lot of hard work, you know, just it was actually voted for by, by the rest of the team. You know, we did a whole team vote, you know, um, it was blessed. I'm, I'm blessed and honored to be a part of that, you know, and uh, I just feel like just the transfers that, that are captains, you know, it's me, Wayne, um, Cam Bright, and Jeremiah, you know, we're all transfers. And, you know, I just feel like those are guys that, that showed from day one when they got here, you know, um, Jeremiah has been here. He's already been here before us, you know, but me, Cam, and Wayne, you know, we came around the same time, you know, from day one, you know, those are guys that I, I recognize as, okay, these, these guys are going to bring their all each and every day. You know, they're working extremely hard. You know, they're doing the extra stuff. You know, they're always motivating uh, teammates and, you know, they're, they're truly showing that leadership role, you know, at a high level. You know, I feel like that's what all, what it was all about, you know, just guys that wasn't afraid to, to jump in that leadership role, you know, as a new player, you know, wasn't afraid to learn uh learn each other you know get, get relationships and have relationships with the rest of the team you know so that's that's what it was all about you know just a lot of guys you know just gravitating towards them and you know just the the way they they held themselves and the way that they worked in the off season you know it truly showed that uh they were blessed and you know they deserved that all right i call this the final five before we get you out of here number one michael what's the best piece of advice you've ever received the best piece of advice I ever received was definitely um never give up you know uh I just say that because you know obviously just knowing my story and that, that's something that I, I've heard since I was young never give up and it, it came from my dad you know he he never let me quit anything you know so at a young age it was always times where maybe I started a sport and I didn't want to play it my dad he was he was a guy that never let me quit anything. He was like, no, we're not going to be quitters in this house. If you start something, you're going to finish it. And um, that, that, that's how I treat my life. That's how I treat football. You know, I, I started something, finish it. I'm, I'm not going to stop playing until, you know, I, I have to, until a, somebody tell, like a doctor or something say, I can't play no more until maybe, you know, in the future, you know, but um, that was definitely the best piece of advice I got. You know, just my dad always makes sure that, you know, in, in our house, we never quit and we'll never be that. <laughs> Worst piece of advice you've ever received? I don't know. I, I really wouldn't say I, I got any worse, like bad advice, you know, because, you know, I feel like when people people come to me with advice, you know, I, it, it just depends on how you take it. You know, um, some some advice could be bad, but it, it depends on how you take it. You could take it the right way. You could take it the wrong way. Maybe, you know, you didn't understand the true the true meaning behind it. So I, I really can't think of a worse advice I've received. All right, number three, more nervous to throw out the first pitch at a Mariners game or have to hit somebody wide open for an explosive play at Husky Stadium? To throw out the first pitch. <laughs> Man, I was so nervous. I just, I was just cheesing and just smiling, trying to make it not noticeable, but I was so nervous. The football, that's, that's natural. I, I make that throw every day in practice, so I'm good with that, but... I don't know. I was so nervous. <laughs> I was impressed, though. You had the ball. You got it signed afterwards. It was good you know, vision for you. And a good forecasting. Nice job. Right. <laughs> All right. Number four. Uh, this show is called The It Factory. And I believe the it factor is the most overused and undefinable phrase. But you know it when you see it. You have it. How would you describe your own it factor? 
I just feel like it comes from work, um, just the work you put in, you know, uh, your dedication, um, the way you the way you carry yourself, you know, not not just as a player but as a person, you know, it's like. Okay, you, you can tell when somebody ha has that has it, you know, just based on the way you talk to people, you know, the way the way you look at people. Do you sm do you look with a smile? Do you say hey with a smile? You know, I just feel like you know all those definitely ha has something to do with it. You've been through so much, right? Various injuries, bunch of different schools. Now here you are. So how do you finish the sentence? It all comes down to what? What we do on Saturday. <laughs> that's all I, that's all I'll say it all comes down to what we do on Saturday um for myself you know and, and for this team you know I know that our coaches uh always preaches um just being a present you know just always stand in the present moment be where your feet are and, you know and that's something that I, I truly uh take advantage of something that I truly um lock into because I, I understand that you know, I've been through adversity, you know, just season in the injuries, you know, I, I never want to look ahead, you know, because I understand that I got to be the best person, the best player I can be right now, because, you know, at any any day, you know, my dreams could be taken away from me. So, you know, that's something that I definitely learned. And, you know, um, I felt like my injuries or that adversity definitely taught me. Yeah, I heard that, man. Hey, before we let you go, um, I, I'd imagine you learned a lot about the history of Washington football. Washington, Oregon, one of the biggest rivalries in the history of college football. What have you learned about that as you look at this team on the schedule coming up? Um, I learned that it's real. <laughs> when I first got here, it's like, no, it's no, it's no, yeah, them. We don't, we don't really talk about it, you know, but uh, until that week comes up, you know, we just focus on the week that's ahead, but you know, once I got here, I, I truly understood. Like, hey, no, we don't, we don't really talk about that. It's, it's really a rivalry. It's yeah, crazy. It really is, man. Yeah, it's it crazy. really is. I'll tell you what. Uh, we didn't ask you to sing. Saw it on the Pac-12 Networks. Great job, by the way. Rap career, you got a chance, man. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank yeah, you. no, I, I feel like I'd be way nervous to do that, and you handled it like a pro, man. Oh, I, I was nervous, and there was only two people in there recording me, but I was nervous. <laughs> I, I love know, it. Hey, Michael, thank you for the time, attention. It's been great to know your story. Love you being in this league, and I know this fan base, this coaching staff, and of course our conference. We are stoked to have you. Really proud that you came on the show and shared who you are underneath the helmet, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I was glad to be here. All right, there it is. Michael Penix Jr., one of the top quarterbacks in America. You see him making explosive plays, but as you learn in this episode, he really put work in it to develop on the relationships and developing his game under the staff and this program in UW. Yes, we all know they got a fun game, as he referenced, coming up this weekend in Eugene. It's going to be a blast to watch that one. With that said, if you want to watch this, make sure you just continue to go back to pack-12.com slash insider. You go to the It Factory homepage. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just type in the It Factory and Yogi Roth. It'll pop right up. Again, for Michael Penix Jr., I'm Yogi Roth, our producer TJ Brassel. Thanks for coming by. Stay safe and enjoy the back half of the season. Peace. It's the Afterglow. TJ Brassel, producer Yogi Roth. All right, we're one of the top quarterbacks in America. Yeah. Fringe Heisman candidate. We'll see how it plays out this weekend. Obviously a huge game. Mm -hmm. What do you wish we asked? What did you learn? 
I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I'm not going to lie. So beforehand, you and I had talked, you're like, you know, I might have to ask him like one question about, about Oregon Washington here coming up. And we got to the final five and you had to hit on it. And I was like, ah, all right. Well, I was kind of looking forward to it, but it's fine. And then you hit at the end and I was, I was ready to roll. I was ready to hear what he, what he was going to say. Um, no, there, the I, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I took a lot of, a lot of stuff away from that. And one thing that I thought was kind of fun. I love hearing about every guest's background of like when we talk when they're younger before before they get to the level that they're at now kind of growing up and when he was talking about like just going to his dad's when his dad was coaching going to the high school games and just playing on the side and like going to watch watch the game for a little bit and then going to play like I remember doing the exact same thing when I was younger of like the, the high school games on Friday night when you were in like third grade like that was the fun thing to go do was like go to the game and like back back in the day like I was I was the little water boy so I didn't I didn't play that much I was I was running around with the little waters out there but um no I love that I think the question for me that I started thinking about over the last couple of weeks um because we've we've had a handful of the transfer quarterbacks in and as Pac-12 has had quite a few this year it I'm curious of like was it more difficult for him to go in and be the leader as a freshman at Indiana or any of these teams, or is it more difficult when they come in They're they're quote unquote established from what they've done, but as they come into a new school and have to kind of pick up that way. Yeah. It'd it, it be a fascinating conversation. If you, if you go back to media days and he wasn't there, but we had on set Caleb Williams, Cam rising, um, you know, a couple different quarterbacks, mm -hmm. you know, just, uh, uh, Cameron Ward was there but just to talk about it. Right. You look at this league, 10 of the 12 starters did not begin their college career at that school and seven yeah. new ones this year, him being one of them. Yeah. That would have been fascinating. I'm sure he's got a great take on that. I'd be curious to talk to him at the end of the season, because mm -hmm. I, I think we're in a new world now with transfers, transfers being immediately eligible, of course. But I'll tell you what, the thing that stood out to me was he's got a great deal of humility. Like I was tracking it. He said five different coaches' names on the staff. It's true. In the interview. You know, like that's somebody who's got spatial awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, like he he he's gonna be a pro. The thing I wish I probably doubled down on was and I and I played at Pitt, as you know, but everybody who came from Florida just raves about high school football. I wish I asked him more about that. Because it is true. Like you can't like the, the numbers don't lie in terms of the players from Florida that go to college in the NFL mm -hmm. of, of what it was like for him. Cause he played, he, he got going early, like really young in terms of a player. Like we had Dalton Kincaid on, he didn't play till he was a senior. Yeah. Or even Jaden Grant on, he didn't even play till like week four of a senior year. <laughs> so I probably would have asked him more about that, but mm -hmm. uh, he, he was cool. You know, we didn't tap into some of the things off the field. Like he's a fisherman. He mm -hmm. loves to fish. Right, like we talked about the music a little bit at the end. Uh, he rapped for the Pac-12 Networks. You saw that. Uh, you can find that out on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, he's got a lot to say, and I think I probably enjoyed that the most around talking to him. Reading the story of, and we've talked about on past episodes, kids getting recruited, and then how that is so much more involved than people, a lot of people really realize. But how like he was dead set on going to Tennessee until there was a new coaching staff, and they were just like ah, uh, sorry, just kidding. Like you don't have your scholarship anymore. Like a few weeks before I signed it. Like that's another question I would have been interested in. Like, 
how did he like deal with that? Like not, I, I know that like, if you're recruited that high, like you have other offers, but if he was dead set and hadn't talked to anyone else, like that's kind of a stressful time to not have to flip everything in a few weeks to figure out where you're going to go. So hearing that story would have been crazy too. Yeah. That's a great point. Like think of Tennessee. I mean, they obviously missed on Michael and now their Heisman candidate who plays similarly to Michael is also a transfer quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just wild how the world works. I, I think something that stood out to me in real time, and maybe we put like a bonus episode together, but all the quarterbacks we've had on, we've asked them about leadership and if mm. it's innate or if it's taught and learned. You know, I learned that years ago. That's it true. was probably eight or nine years ago. I was on a campus and I talked to a young quarterback who had started for two years, started as a freshman. And I said, hey, um, how's it going? And he said, the staff keeps asking me to lead, but I don't really know how. And it hit me like, yeah, of course, we just think the QBs, QB1 just has this incredible, you know, array of leadership traits. Well, they need to be taught and learned. And, and I love that that's kind of been the common answer, whether it's Caleb Williams or whether it's here, like everybody across the board that we've talked to in the last two seasons has pretty much said that. And I think it's true. And I think it's really important for staffs to hear that, to know, like, you got to front load those skills. And Ryan Grubb, he's as good as anybody. And I've talked to quarterbacks there not just Michael, but other quarterbacks on that staff. And they're like, man, the intangible traits that get taught to us mm -hmm. day one are off the charts. And I think that's what al what allows quarterbacks to really tap into their potential, let alone maximize it. And yeah, this dude's a baller. I love the, the tag they use, no limits at UW. Uh, yeah. We'll find out this weekend. Uh, it's going to be an awesome clash. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a battle. Uh, and here's my creative idea. I know you're the producer, but I think as we <laughs> say goodbye on this episode, mm -hmm. you should just fade out into the rapping of Michael Penix Jr. Ooh, all right. All right as we you know. say goodbye here on the It Factory. Peace. Enjoy the music. Something like Ali in his prime. Finna show the world how great I am, but I gotta wait my time. Even in the rainy city like Seattle, I'm still gonna shine. Tech now, just stay up on your grind.